The following audio is from Gold Country Baptist Church in Shingle Springs, California. Visit gcb.church to find more resources and to learn about our church. Women of the Word, Sunday, August 20th. So we're just going to get started. Um... So last week, we talked about how to um, develop deeper biblical friendships, because we all have friendships. We all have them, right? But how do we go deeper with the believers in our lives and in our church? Um, And because it's easy to just be kind of really good acquaintances, right? Um, And so we want to work on this, right? We want to get deeper. So we had four marks of a biblical friendship last week, and they were <coughs> constancy, which is what? Being faithful. Being consistent, loving. Yeah. Candor. Truthfulness. Truthfulness. Yeah. Speaking the truth in love. Carefulness. What does that mean? What's an example of being careful? Careful with your speech and Timing, yeah, and I just kept thinking of it all week, being a good steward of my friend's heart, right? And then counsel, obviously, giving wise counsel and receiving wise counsel also. Um, Did anybody get to practice this week? Yeah, I practice? (laughs) How? How Is there any, like, a quick, simple example of that you could get of what you thought through in a conversation? Keep those in mind. Um, so really then it's how do we get from that fellowship, which we talked about the difference between fellowship and um, like a deep relationship, companionship. I think we have a lot of fellowship in our church, right? But how do we get past that? How do we move from just getting together and having pleasantries even when we have people over into our home, sometimes the conversations are just can be very surfacey, and sometimes it's just we're just getting to know people, right? So that's where you start. But um, trying to think through how to move from just a, a cordial fellowship to um, a deeper relationship. So the main thing that we have to do is invest our time into people's lives. And for those of you who weren't here last week, I said, I'm really not teaching, I'm just giving book reports. So this is, was my book report from last week, is The Company We Keep by Jonathan Holmes. And it's just so, so packed, it's so tiny, but like, easy read, um, with deep truth. Um, so I'm just going to read what he says, because it's so much better than anything I would say. So our time. If we want to have biblical friendships, we need to be people who relish the opportunity to simply talk. Ask yourself, can I really expect to have a decent friendship of any kind, much less a biblical one with someone I rarely talk to, or someone I don't talk to about my actual joys and struggles? So there's something about a face-to-face interaction. He talks about... um, you know, we, we've lost the art of even a phone conversation. Like, I used to grow up talking to people on the phone for hours, right? Now we just text them real quick, and then it's like a jumbled mess. Yeah, we used to write letters. Um, now it's like this little text, and it's usually, like, not at all what we meant to say or how to say it or how they take it. I don't mind the misspellings. I can read right through all that. Like I can interpret the the bad grammar, but like it's it's our time that we um, are, we're so busy, and so we need to really if we're investing in a friendship, make sure we carve out that time 
to have time for our friends. I think what's interesting about texting is it's so nice if you just need to let someone know something, but you don't necessarily need to have a conversation, and they don't need to see it right away. Yeah. You can see it hours or, you know, a couple days later, but I've had text conversations sometimes with people that were texting at the same time, mm-hmm. and you miss half of it. Yeah. And they're on still on that conversation, and you moved on to this conversation. It's like, wait, what's happening right now? Why don't I just call her? I know. <laughs> and then, like, I feel like we call... And I almost apologize sometimes. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bother you. I just felt like it was easier to talk. And and um, it shouldn't be that way. Like, we should be able to just pick up the phone and, and have that conversation. And, and sometimes that is a time saver instead of being like, can you get together on this day at this time? And, you know, if we have a shorter amount of time to be able to spend with somebody. So, um Face-to-face interaction is good. Um, he, they, they talk about sharing meals, you know, past the joy. Um, there's a book called A Meal with Jesus by Tim Chester. Sorry, I'm trying to call Georgia because she wanted to listen. Um, he records 33% decrease in families eating together over the last 30 years and a 45% decrease in friends doing so. So even that has has affected our time with each other. Um, Here's some questions that are practical Kickstarter questions. Um, How can I pray for you? Right, that's a good, just, where are you struggling? Where have you experienced God's grace in your struggle? Where has God been, where has God been up to good in your life lately? What is bringing joy to your heart? How can I be a better friend to you? So those are just some basic, simple questions that we can start um, conversation to get deeper. Um, And he talks about threats to a biblical friendship. And I haven't really thought about this. Um, The number one threat is our personal sin. Like if we're in sin and we're holding on to sin, how are we going to actually help somebody or go deeper or um, have good conversation if we're hiding our own struggles? Um, or how are they? Or how are we going to have that with them if they're hiding it from us, right? So trying to think through being open yourself, and we'll get more into that in the second part here. Um, but also helping them uh, have a trust, a trust, and an openness. Um, to examine their sin. But if there's any hurtful speech in you, dishonesty, anger, jealousy, those are things that you really need to ask the Lord to um, forgive you of and then to repent and turn away from those things so that they don't affect your friendships. Um, Some people have an incomplete grasp of the gospel, and so we just really need to start basic, like, are you sure you understand who the Lord is and what he's done in your life and you are before him and you know some people I know I it took me I grew up in this church but I didn't really understand what sin was for a really long time (coughs) and how my sin affected um, others and the Lord and so I remember the kids like taking communion and thinking well I didn't like kill anybody this week and um, I don't think I lied you know it was nothing like honoring my parents or like you know, no heart issues. It was all the, like, I didn't lie or steal or, you know, murder. So I guess I could take communion, you know. So it's sometimes we don't have a complete grasp of the gospel. Um, and then another definite threat to friendship is our false expectations that we put on each other. Um, we all have them, right? We all expect to have friends be a certain way or treat us a certain way or... Um, something. We come into relationships with expectations because we're expectational, I guess. I don't know, right? We all have expectations whether we think we do or not. So um, those are his uh, threats to biblical friendship. And that is the completion of book report number one. (laughs) So, because I didn't get to finish it last week. So this is my second book that I took to then how do we do all these things? How do we do all these biblical things? And um, 
when we did the Women of the Word this summer, I was sitting at a table and Bonnie Orr was like, have you heard of the verb? Like no, I mean I know what a verb is, I guess sort of. But um, the verb podcast. Has anybody heard of the verb? Okay. Um, so I'm like, okay, what is that? And because we were talking about verbs and all these parts of speech that you know. And um, so I started listening to it, and then she talked about her book, and I was like, oh man, that sounds awesome. So I bought it, and it is awesome. Um, it's she's a professor and um, associate professor at Penn State um, in I think like the English department Um, but she's just really worked on her skills in communication and really researched a lot of stuff and so this is a great book for application Uh, she doesn't like give you tons of verses or you know biblical knowledge so don't think you're getting that I mean it's in here but it's it's um, more just application. Um, but her, her podcasts are great. So I, I re-listened to one yesterday, and she took Philippians 2.4. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So her verb was look. And then she just expounds on the word look. So look out, look up. Look around, look outside of yourself, and then she just like unpacks that biblically. So she just, I would, and there are ten minutes, ten minutes, you know, it's like quick, um, quick truths. And so I highly recommend listening to her. I think she said she has a new one every Friday, but I haven't seen any in a while. Um, but if we just take that verse for us to have deeper friendship, look not to your own interests. Right? That's, that's being careful uh, with others. <coughs> being constant. We're looking for other people's interests, showing up for them. We're looking to their interest in being truthful to them about sin. Um, and we're taking our eyes off of ourselves. So she has these six conversations, and her little title is Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and incivility and she just talks a lot about like especially since COVID how we all what stay, we had to stay at home but now like how many people work at home how much of us are like the kids are going to school online they're not I mean it's hard to find a class sometimes to even go in person so they're just we're becoming more isolated and um, thankfully we have a church where fellowship is is I feel like fruitful and good and so um, it might not be the case for everybody, but it is um, the case that our world is facing, and and um, our young people are really going to be isolated, whether they're um, at school or then they get these jobs and they work at home. So finding ways to reach out to other people is going to be like a whole new skill that we didn't have to deal with, right? We just got thrown in there and made friends and figured it out. Um, her, her six conversations, though, are social. So if you have someone to dinner, if I ask, do you ever have anybody over for dinner? Who would you like to have over next? That's like a social interaction question, right? What are you doing? What's going on in your life? Emotional. What's something that you're truly grateful for this week? That's a great starter question, right? Because we we sometimes have to think about what we're grateful for. Um, Physical. What music or podcast have you been listening to lately? That's a good starter question. Or how, I mean, you wouldn't always want to ask, how are you? Because that's not really physical. That's like a, just a non-question, really, because we're not actually wanting the answer sometimes. Um... (laughs) But if you're trying to be physical, or if I know, like, um, Liz just had arm surgery. Like, how are you doing? How's your arm? How are you feeling? And check in on her. Cognitive. Cognitive is, um, you know, our thoughts and our decisions, or our thoughts. So what have you been studying in the Bible? What's God teaching you? That's a great question to get deeper. Why are you studying that? What made you want to study that? 
what's interesting? Teach me something you've learned. You know, that just, like, goes, you can all of a sudden have this big, huge conversation about something that you might not have normally. Um, Volitional, which is a big word, but basically it's your decision-making. Ask them, do you have any big decisions coming up that you have to make? You know, we all have some big decisions in our lives, or maybe we just made a big decision. Spiritual, how is God working in your life? So social, emotional, physical, cognitive, volitional, and spiritual. Those are her six, but I really can't even get into all of them. Um, So consider how would you rate yourself as a conversationalist, just mentally. You can think about it for a second, right? Because we don't think about how, how am I doing in this area, and that's why we're here, right, to work on this. Um, I can pretty much talk to anybody, anybody, um, but it still takes work. It's still like I'm in the grocery store and I see someone in the aisle. Oh, do you like that? I, you know, oh, I've never tried that. Like I just can talk to people, which is kind of weird because I'm actually sort of an introvert. Um, it's easy to talk to strangers, though. Yeah. <laughs> I tell my kids, you're never going to see them again. Just yeah. say it. <laughs> really not that big of a deal. But um, you can get to know people a little bit and just be friendly. And um, she has a thing where she asks, like even at the checkout, she'll say, how's your day on a 1 to 10, scale of 1 to 10? And she'll ask the checker. And um, she has all these helps. And she does it in her podcast and in the book. So... Um, if you really want to grow in this area, I would definitely listen to do both. Um, well, just a, like a quick comment on that, because um, you sent me the yeah. you sent me some resources, and so I was listening to her. And so she'll ask like on a scale of one to ten, how would you know rate your day? And you just get a number. Um, and I was curious about this because her follow-up question is where everything is. Um, I tried this at my dinner table, and it was gearing up to be a particularly difficult evening. And, oh, my gosh, we were all laughing and talking, and it just lightened the mood because what she says next is, okay, what would have had to happen to make it a 10? And so if you just think about, like, what your day was yesterday, like, what would have had to happen to make it a 10, and it really gets you thinking, and you figure out what's important. Yeah. You know, what it's like, you just listen for, okay, what was important to this child today or to my husband today or whatever it was. But it was great. Like, yeah. Try it at your dinner table. You know, just I did simple. It, yeah, I did it um, with, because I pick up Kiana's kids and my kids and Mateus from school. And so I did it every day after school today, this week. And, you know, usually it wasn't a 10 because of someone in their class or some <laughs> teacher. And I was like, okay, so what would have made it a 10? Well, if I didn't have that teacher. And I was like, okay, but how could you have made it a 10? Because they're not going to change, but you can have a better outcome. You know, so it was. It was a great conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Or one of them had a four because he had a bad morning. You know, and it was like, so your whole day was affected? Just He's like, no, it got better. And I was like, okay, well, that's good. You know, so then they are thinking, it wasn't just a bad day. It was just a bad short period of my time, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it's fun. Do it with your kids. Yeah. Do it with other people. She says her students now ask her, mm-hmm. and um, she said they, they totally get me now because it's all about my coffee. Oh. Was my coffee in the morning good? Oh. Was it not good? Like, yeah, it's a good start to the day. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. it doesn't have to be this big, deep thing, but, yeah. you know, if you're listening, you just, you start hearing what's important. And especially with your kids, like, sometimes when you, as they get older, um, it's hard to draw things out of them sometimes. And so if you just say, how was your day? You know, they're like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. So that's like a zero response, you know. <laughs> um, so asking them a number totally goes down to a deeper level and a different path. So, yeah, practice that one. Um, so she gives, okay, these are the four main things I'm going to talk about today. How to have deep warm, meaningful conversation. The first one, which is, I kind of feel like the foundation. Um, sorry, I can't talk in. Curiosity. <laughs> Be curious. Um, if we start with being curious, then it's just like these roots, like that. It just roots that kind of start to flow down in our conversation. Um 
And I took the Philippians 2 4, because if we're looking to the interests of others, we'll find out about them. What are their interests? What are their struggles? Be curious about them. Phil didn't like the word curious, so he, he said, you should say interested. And I said, well, that's the first I'm using, so, you know. But she uses curious, so I'm just going to say curious. Um, curious is a good word. Well, because he said what, happen, what he has is people are curious about to get information out of him about other people or situations. And we're all that way, right? We all want the little dish on us or the tea, spill the tea, right? That's the new... What girls say? Spill the tea. If you don't know that term, spill the tea means give me the scoop. I want the scoop. Spill the beans. Yeah. Spill the tea. The new the new term. Um, Today we were at the conference. We were at yeah. The gentleman that was kind of finishing stuff up. He said um, there was a mix of people nationwide, and so he was talking about California and how we tend to interrupt each other's sentences. And so we, we're listening so that we can get in like three seconds before the end rather than having the mindset of being interested. So if we're interested in that, we're not going to be trying to figure out how we can interrupt to say what we want to say. But if we slow down and we have the mindset of being interested, then we won't have the mindset of how can I get in what I want to say yeah. so they can hear me. I mean, we're not thinking about necessarily in those terms, but that's what's happening. Yeah, it's funny because my sister's Californian and her husband, but they've lived in the, the South for 20 years now. But she's like, they aren't open. They don't talk. Like, it's just such a different culture to Californians. And they people say, you must be from California. Because <laughs> she's open and she's, you know, she's talking about things. And it's, she said, it's just so weird that even spatial in our country, how different our conversations can be. But uh, we were kind of talking about this at YAG a few weeks ago, and um, Caitlin Gray gave me her little quote, which is, be interested, not interesting. Mm-hmm. So uh, if we're interested in someone, we're not thinking about, oh, I'm going to share this, all this stuff about myself that you need to know about me or my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um so we need to keep it. Sometimes we have to be interesting to get the conversation going, right? So it's a it's a fine line, but um, yeah. So it's funny that you said that because we just talked about it. So we yeah we want others. Sorry. Um, oh, she says you can make more friends in two months by being genuinely interested in others than you can in two years of trying to get other people interested in you. So just think of our the motive there. Um, so sometimes we're more interested in what we're going to say than what they are saying to us. But um, being curious is wanting to be a learner of people. So think of this. This is like, I mean, some of you are still, still in school, but for us that aren't, like this is our new thing that we're learning. We're learning about people, and we're learning about their heart and what um, – what makes that them excited? What makes them um, sad? You know, we want to know those things so that we can be a better friend. Uh, it sounds simple, but <laughs> it's actually not. Uh, I'm just going to read some of her stuff here. Um, oh, she says, I recently asked my teenage daughter if she has any friends who ask her about life and seem to care about what happens to her. She talks about how rare it is, how nobody ever asks her questions about her life, and how in a school of over 2,500 teens, she could only name one person who asked her personal questions. Then I asked my college students the same question. One student cried, I'm, when I'm out with friends, they never ask me one question about myself. Let's not be those people. Um, and then I'm going to go all the way to the back here. She says, here's an example of a conversation. Hello, it's good to see you. Did you get, did you get a good breakfast this morning? Oh, hey, yeah, um, just coffee. Coffee? <clears throat> cool. Long pause. Oh, no, what do I say next, right? We're all thinking, what do I say, what do I say? They said coffee, and that was a one-word answer, right? It's those one-word answers sometimes 
stump us, and then we don't know what to do next because we're carrying the conversation. So how do you have a real conversation? You move through these six things. So did you see any friends in the coffee shop? That's it. Like, yeah. We, we see people at the coffee shop all the time, right, when we go out. Are you someone who immediately feels better after you have a cup of coffee? Amen. Yes. <laughs> so that's so the first one is the social. Did you see anybody? The second one is emotional. You feel good. Like, I just need to get up and have that first sip, right? Um, how many cups can you drink a day without it affecting your sleep or your nerves? That's the physical. <laughs> what made you think to go to that coffee place instead of the other one? That's the cognitive. What are you thinking about? What did you order? How did you decide to order that? It sounds stupid, but this is like, right? Well, this is learning a lot about somebody's preferences, their interests. Does the coffee include any kind of, I wouldn't say it this way. Does the coffee include any kind of ritual for well-being? I drink coffee when I pray and read my Bible. So that's her spiritual. I would have said, I enjoy my coffee to help me. Enjoy my Bible more because <laughs> it helps me wake up. And it's like, a, it is a ritual, actually. I sit and do my devotions and drink my coffee. So I guess it is a ritual, but I, I don't know if I would say it that way. So there's just a simple uh, conversation that she gives. Um, or here's some other examples. Instead of saying, I like your dress, maybe say, oh, your dress is so cute. Where'd you get it? And then, oh, you like to shop there? Why do you like to shop there? It just... Like, our conversation can just, like, totally go in different directions when we start asking good questions. Um, some questions not to ask, maybe, for tall people. How tall are you? <laughs> Do you play basketball? Don't, don't, like, just comment on the physical, right? Um, unless it's, like, your hair is beautiful or I like the way, you, you know, we comment, but, like, we tend to ask questions that are based on things that we already see or know about a person. Um you know, I know the girls are in school, so how's school? Like, they want to talk about other things, right? They don't want to just be asked the same things over and over. Um, so trying to get beyond the obvious of work, school, appearances. Um, and she gives this tip of asking the number, number-based questions. So the scale of 1 to 10, how was your day? Or how long have you lived in this area? That can, like, be a full-on big conversation, right? How long have you gone to this church? It could be a long time, a little time, and that totally grows into bigger conversations. So think of number of questions. How long? How many? How much? Um, uh, so we did the one to ten. Uh, my son-in-law, Caleb, told me recently he was talking to someone at church, and he realized, and he knows him really well. And he was like, I had no idea what he did for a living because that wasn't what they talked about. It was about this person, and, you know, they just had other things, other interests. It wasn't a, his identity wasn't about what he did. It was about who the Lord was in his life, and so that was the basis of their friendship. And he said, I, I've known him for years, and I didn't know that's what he did. So we can totally get past the just the, the peripheral, really, and go way deeper. Um, get excited. Get excited about all you will learn and discover about this person. Ask yourself, what would I ask if I was curious, right? And it's because we went out, some of the, me and the um, college girls went out the other night, and I was like, I've got to practice. i practice all my conversational skills, right? So, you know, all these things are running through my head. And, of course, conversation is easy with, with friends, and the girls were fine, but I had to practice myself, and... It was good. It's good to think through these things. Um, and some people were just really not going to be interested in what they're interested in. But if we're interested in them, then we'll be interested in what they're interested in. Um, I don't know. Name Wait, some, what, say that statement again. You probably have interests that I do not care about okay. knowing um, right. for myself. Right. But if I'm interested in you, I want to know what you're interested in. Right? Right? Um, 
But I think sometimes that's almost easier because if you have no interest in it, you want to know, like, if you're curious, I need to get into that. No, like, why do you curious. do that? How did that happen? Like, yeah. that can, it can open a lot of doors yeah. for conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But if, I mean, I can't think of something that I'm totally not interested in. <laughs> what am I not interested in? Makeup. <laughs> Legos. <laughs> yeah, but if my boys are telling me how awesome this Lego set is, and you know, it's like, wow, I'm glad that took so much of your time to put together, and that you left that, you know, let's get some more. Um, yeah, no, there's certain things that I'm just like, yeah, that was a nice poke. I don't really want to talk about that, but um, I can't think of anything. But if you're a curious person, you know, um, it is gonna be like. And then we can follow back up and say, so how's that going, that interest of yours, or what, what's happened with that? And um, she gives an example. I don't know if it's in here or in her podcast, but of a friend who's like a physicist. And she's telling her all her exciting new discoveries. And she's just like, I'm not interested in this at all, but now it sounds interesting because of the way she's talking about it. So um, there are things that our friends are just going to be interested in that we're not. But it's part of learning, and we will discover new things. Um, so how we it's it's also ask ourselves how do we carry one another's <coughs> burdens if we don't know them? Mm-hmm. We can't carry a burden with someone if we don't know them and know what they're struggling with. Um, she also gives like these questions in between in the middle of the chapters, really. And they're called, this is three tips for growing into an interpersonal curious person. So be a com- begin a conversation with the words, I'm so curious, tell me about, like just like you just said it, you just said the exact thing. Um, make a list of people in your life you'd like to grow closer to. What are some things you'd like to know about them? Um, he gives other references to, in the book. Attempt to ask a question rooted in curiosity to every single person you encounter, even strangers, and see the effect it has on other people and yourself. At the end of the day, record the most surprising things you learned. <coughs> so um, it is a practice. Um, and she, she said something like, when we ask good questions, like people are so much more open and willing to have conversation than when it's just like, hi, how are you? And, you know, we, we, we are relational. Um, okay, so one is curiosity. Two is believe the best. <laughs> and this is a very biblical idea that we know. Um, but it's she applies it in a um, in other ways also. Um, can you think of any verses about believing the best in others? First Corinthians four. Love believes the best, right? Yep. First Corinthians oh, 13, thirteen four. Sorry, 13, love four. is patient. Love oh, is kind. Yeah, <laughs> you're good. You're really yeah. on it. Love bears all things, believes sorry. all things, hopes all things. So yeah, we're gonna believe the best about our friends. Um, 1 Peter 4, 8, love covers a multitude of sins. Mm -hmm. Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others more significant than yourself. Can you believe the best about somebody if you aren't thinking the best about them? I can't. So, yeah. Um, I should just leave this open. Okay. She, um... She talks about this writer, Carl Rogers. He believes that the best way to help people is to first accept them just as they are without trying to change them, judge them, or shame them. If you start from that point, you'll find that conversation blossoms. People want to share their lives with you. They feel safe, understood, and cared for in your presence. Positive regard is another word for believing the best she uses or he is his positive regard changes conversation and it changes people within those conversations. And um, she talks about just how she wasn't believing the best about her husband. And, you know, sometimes the people we know the best, we don't believe the best about because we kind of know their, or we think we know their thoughts or their idiosyncrasies. And so it's hard sometimes just to even believe the best about 
our husbands or people we know really well. Um, so consider these things. Every person, every person, whether they're older or younger, has something to teach you. Little kids, they can teach you a ton of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, they'll tell me like fun facts about things and I don't even know. They know weird stuff. They find <laughs> out stuff that I wouldn't know, but it's great. And then older people, obviously, we can learn a lot from uh, um, anyone. We can all teach each other something. So be a learner of people. Um, can you think of a conversation that you've had that changed the course of your life? Where someone said something to you. And it doesn't have to be, like, life-changing. Like, I mean, salvation, obviously. But um, I was going to go this way, and then I decided to go that way. Or, okay. My fourth grade teacher, um, when I was younger, I was very talkative and mischievous and always got in trouble, had to go out in the hall. And I teach them so I thought I was stupid, right? And so they were old school taught, and so I was in the lower reading group, and I was bored to death, and my fourth grade teacher said, you know, Becky, you're actually quite smart, but you just need to... You just need to redirect your energy. Yeah. And she did. And from that point on, as far as a student in that, I became a good student and then ended up to be a teacher and administrator. So yeah. she did. That was kind of the turning point because she believed the best. Right. Right. Me. Yeah. Of assuming I was something that yeah. I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that, like, overflowed into then you being a teacher and seeing those tendencies in kids yeah. and encouraging them to be... Right. better than they were applying their abilities to be. So, yeah. yeah, that's great. Anybody else have a... Okay. I was actually two people, and I was deciding whether I wanted to... I wanted to be an interior designer, I think, a long time ago, because that was kind of the background of my family. Mm. And um, a lot of them were either construction engineers, architects, something like that, in that field. And so I was drawn to that, but then as I was kind of, like coming down to having to make decisions. I remember two people said the same thing, which is interesting to me. They both said teacher, mm-hmm. and I knew no one that was a teacher except maybe one person. And so it was interesting because they saw something in me that I at the time didn't even recognize. And one of them said, yeah, you've been a teacher designer, who was a believer, and we're still great friends, mm-hmm. and said, but you make a one million teacher. Mm-hmm. And then my mom, who's not a believer, she said, you know, You'd be, you know, good at either, but the Lord has done so much in your life. If you went into interior design, that world is very competitive, and and just being in that world would be difficult because it would suck kind of the stupid life out of you. But it, you know, it just be yeah. it's like a dog eat dog world. And so she was just saying, for everything that God has done in your life and how He's changed you, it would be difficult to be in that world. I think that you should mm-hmm. And I. I know the Lord just worked through that and it became very apparent, which I'm so incredibly grateful because uh, undoubtedly that's where my gifts lie. Right. And now I'm going to use in other areas. Yeah. So, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So we also, like, have these conversations with either, maybe we don't even know things we've said to people that have changed the course <coughs> of their life. I don't know. You know, sometimes yeah. it's just... A, a small conversation, but sometimes it's people that know us really well and can speak into our life. Um, this person you're talking to is also of infinite value, and we need to remember that. They're made in the image of God. They, um, they have unique experiences of life and what God is teaching them. So, number three. Express concern and it's kind of that goes with candor, um, expressing concern. This is getting to a deeper level with a friend. So like Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Um, she says, if you're learning to be curious about others, and you've trained your mind to begin with positive regard, uh, you'll, or thinking the best, you will find that conversations might still lack the warmth and meaning you're hoping for. So what's missing is investment. We need to invest, and that was 
the other one was our time. We need to invest our time. Investment means you're interested in the outcome of what that person shares with you, and you express concern about their lives. You're devoting time and energy because you care about what happens to other people. There's the care, carefulness. So these so overlap, these two books. Um, You link their success with your success, their failure with your failure, their sadness with yours. (coughs) Investment is a form of support that moves beyond empathy. It's a willingness to carry each other's burdens, which is a biblical phrase from Galatians. Investment refers to a part of positive communication that focuses on the common good and supportive interaction. So consider this. Your friend might genuinely be curious about you and like you, but if he doesn't really care about the information you're sharing with him, you won't feel a connection or and warmth that you otherwise could. Um, so the secret to the, her thing is investment. We need to invest. It takes time. It just takes a lot of time. Investment doesn't mean to take on everyone's problems as your own, but it does mean you position yourself to support others as you can, to care about them, and imagine an interconnectedness with their lives. So, it's just a deeper way to care. Um, and then she has more of her little tips that I think are helpful. Um, this one. <coughs> When friends are struggling, ask, <clears throat> how can I best support you today? What would, it, what would you like to go for a walk? Would you like a phone call, a coffee delivery, or maybe a meal? And I would add, can I just pray for you? Because she didn't add that. But that's really our, our number one goal is to, to come alongside them in prayer also. Find out what, people, what the people in your life are concerned about. What are their major stressors? So if you ask someone, are you stressed out about anything? Like what's, what's stressful in your life right now? We all have something, right? We all have one thing that we can think of that's stressful. What upcoming decisions do you have to make? What are you worried about? What like keeps you up at night? What are you not sleeping? Um, and then our last one, I'm gonna hurry. Um, is mutual sharing, which means in my house it's called the ping pong conversation, where I throw the ball or I hit the ball to you and then you have to hit it back. You can't just keep it. So how many people do we know that's like you ask a question and there's no reciprocation, right? How are you doing? Good. Okay, so, you know, then you're throwing, you keep throwing balls at them. We're just throwing balls. That's not fun. It's not very fun. So, um, I asked Phil for a verse, and it took us a while to come up with one, but then he got a really good one. Proverbs 27:17. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Um, we don't want a blade that's only sharp on one side, right? So we have to mutually share with others as we get them to share with us. Um, this is definitely a skill we need to teach our kids and that we need to work on. Um, <coughs> otherwise, we just become the interviewer. Because it's just, uh, let me ask all these questions of you and get all this information about you. And sometimes we, I feel like we almost have to teach people how to have that reciprocal conversation, not saying like, okay, now you have to question, but like, you have to offer information about yourself if they're not asking so that it is a mutual sharing. Um, she says that's like the hardest thing for her It is this number four, is mutual sharing. She's like, I'm great at asking questions, I'm great at believing the best, and I'm growing in the art of investment and showing concern as God helps me to truly love other people better. But I hesitate to share vulnerably. I like to stay in control of a conversation. I like to avoid any situation where I reveal too much about myself. I'm the type of friend who regularly hears this statement. Hey, you're asking all the questions. My turn. I want, to, I want you to share it out. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's a fear of shame. Maybe it's simply a form of control. Or maybe I've been in too many conversations where I do share 
something only to have the other person immediately make the conversation all about that. Excuse me. Worse, I've been in too many conversations where the other person spouts out advice or ways I need to improve. So that's a good reason why maybe you're not a mutual sharer, right? And we need to be careful who we're sharing our junk with, right? But um, more often than not, the, the tiny seeds of sharing deep things is like it grows into a really beautiful um, relationship with another person, a mutual, of mutual sharing. Um, you just mentioned like trust when you were talking about gender and you know, if I'm just someone going to trust you if you're not letting them into your life as well. Yeah. That, like that deeper level of friendship has to go both ways. Yeah. Or it'll just die out at some point. Yeah. Or if they misuse your trust by sharing your information with others, you're not going to trust them again. Right? It might take a while. Maybe they repent and ask you for forgiveness for talking about them. But um, we we find people who we can trust, and that's, that's hopefully the, the value in this. Um, so... So ask yourself, when you're in these um, conversation relationships, has my conversation partner shared about their life vulnerably? Is, it's now my, is it now my turn to do so? Then I practice sharing my life as a part of positive regard, thinking the best about them, not assuming they're going to go tell everybody, right? Um, thinking that they are going to carry, help carry some of your burdens. Consider mm-hmm. and the sharing of your life as a gift to another person. Um, and then she gives us some, some more tips, but I like this one. Consider topics on the subject of you, uh, if you're having a hard time mutually sharing. <coughs> on any given day, develop the self-awareness to know three things you're struggling with, three things you celebrated or you're happy about, and three upcoming decisions or areas of uncertainty. Discover your default conversation, like what you tend to talk about and like talking about, but then let your conversation partner know you love connecting over these other topics. Could you repeat those again? Three struggles, three struggling, um, three things that you're struggling with. Three, oh, okay, so say three things you're struggling with. Three things you're celebrating or happy about, and three upcoming decisions that you might have to make. Even one, <laughs> like right. If we only had one thing that we're thinking about, I'm really struggling with this. I really like. Uh, yeah, three is kind of a lot. I feel like her favorite question to ask people is, um, "What question would you like other people to ask you?" And she says it's just like a groundbreaking question. And I feel like if somebody asked me that, I would be like, I don't know. I think a better question might be, uh, what's something about you that maybe not a lot of people know? You know, we all have backgrounds and differences and things, um, experiences. I was talking about, oh, I went to the chiropractor the other day, and my mom and I had to share a room, which was fine. Um, it's family chiropractic, right? So the guy, I told him, oh, I used to work for a chiropractor in his back office, and I, you know, I did all the therapies, and I, um, I developed x-rays, and my mom was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, mom, it's 30 years ago. Like, you, you were just not thinking about what I was doing at work. Like, she knew I worked for a chiropractor, but she had no idea all those things that I did. And uh, it was so funny. Yeah, like, but I wouldn't have thought if she said, what's something, what's a question you want someone to ask you? I wouldn't say, ask me about when I worked for the chiropractor. Like, that just wouldn't, but if you say, what's something about yourself that nobody, would, and probably nobody here knows that, and I know some of you pretty well, right? It's just something I hadn't really thought of in a really long time. I worked for him for like three years in, in college, so, yeah, it was, but... My mom didn't know, or she did remember, is maybe a better. <laughs> it was a busy season of life. Okay, and then she gives these um, 
the four mindsets, she gives us an inventory for ourselves. So we got to rate ourselves. So on the curiosity, am I a naturally curious? Am I naturally curious about other people? And she has rarely, sometimes, or almost always. And then, you know, she asks you, like, it's just thinking through these things. What am I, what are the things I need to grow in? About believing the best. Do I tend to enjoy other people? Do I easily admire them and respect them? <coughs> rarely, sometimes, always. Um, expressing concern. I have a hard time genuinely caring about what happens to other people. Rarely, sometimes, or almost always. And then sharing your life. I love to share my life with other people. Rarely, sometimes, and always. So just um, kind of evaluating ourselves and our, our um, skills. Um, I had an exercise, but we're done. So um, I hope that this helps you guys just jump off that the platform of friendship and, and creating deeper friendships here in our church. Um, and this isn't the last time we're going to talk about this, so actually if you want to give me the exercise, we're going to continue this conversation for the next two weeks, and then Laura, I believe, the following two weeks will be coming in with some follow-up. So yeah. um, we'll probably be in this topic for about the next four weeks. We'll do some deeper dive, I know, on this book and some other things. So. And she has... If you're just like, I don't know what to talk to people about, Professor Holloman's 100 favorite questions to get to know her students or anyone. And it's a free download on our website. Yeah. You don't have to buy the book. You just go download it. But, like, here's the question. What's one item you might keep forever? Um, <laughs> what's, what's one thing that truly fascinates you? What's your latest failure? <laughs> that goes deep. Um, <laughs> what do you like to do the old-fashioned way? One thing I asked, there was a question, and it was, what do you still do that you did as a child? And I can't remember what I asked Annalie, and she said something really funny. I can't remember what she said, but anyway. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day and uh, your word that we can draw from its truths, and I just pray that it would penetrate our hearts and our minds, that we would think differently about our friendships, and mostly about ourselves, Lord, that we would just get the log out of our own eyes so that we can be better friends to others in, um, in our constancy and in our care and in our candor and our counsel to them, um, and that it would be reciprocated, that we would have these deep mutual, meaningful relationships. I pray for our, our worship this morning that it would be pleasing to you and Pastor Corey as he teaches us. Give him um, just clarity <coughs> and strength as he, he preaches your word. In your name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Amen.